It's one of the most beautiful views of any campus in America, the Pacific Ocean crashing against the shores of UC Santa Barbara every morning, noon, and night. There's the one strike pitching. Mitchell bounces the deep left. Cabrera is gonna watch it fly. He's at the track, he's at the wall, he leaps at the wall, and this one is out of here. Christian Kirtley. Gauchos are going to Omaha, can you believe it? John Newman wins it for the Gauchos. In the score is two. Here comes Mitchell, he's gonna score. And the Gauchos are the 2019 champions of the Big Putting pressure on the defense, pressure on the pitcher to execute some pitches. Mason Ang. Stands in with runners on first and second, and he lines this one into center field. John John Vons is going to knock it down and not able to make the play. The throw is going to go to third, and a good first to third from Bryce Willits as Brock Mortensen scores easily. Mason Ang with another single. It's 4-0. Petway should, he's got to recognize that Rodriguez is not afraid to take a couple good hacks at that, uh, at that off-speed pitch. Two, two, and two. The pitch. This one line, left field, it's going to get down. Mason Ang comes in to score. Cole Cummings rounds. He'll score easily. The throw in, overthrow. Zach Rodriguez. A two out, two strike, two RBI single. It's seven nothing Gauchos. Two balls and two strikes here to Vaughn's. McGreevy with 11 strikeouts and no walks through six innings. The 2-2. Fastball swung on and missed, and Vaughn strikes out McGreevy with 12 punchouts here tonight against UCLA. Well, those double-digit strikeouts almost seem, <laughs> whenever he's doing it, it just seems like normal. I mean, 15 against Cal Poly, becoming the, was it the fourth highest strikeout total? In well, Second highest in school history, fourth gaucho to do it. Fourth gaucho. Yes. There you go. Three balls, two strikes. See, Josh Hahn, he's not even he's not even listed in our pitcher's report. Yeah. Well, he's only thrown a third of an inning. I know. He is listed as oh. Willow bangs this to left field. This is high. This is far. This is out of here. Solo homer for Jason Willow. That one was a no doubter. His fourth of the season makes it 10-2. The Gauchos have that run back. Well, this is where I hate not having Trackman because I want to know how far that one <laughs> went. That almost cleared. It might have. I could might, maybe my eyes deceive me, but I thought that might have cleared the uh, the chain link fence that's back there. A good uh, 20. If it the chain link, that is a poke and a half. It's it's what we would call a bomb, Kevin. A bomb. Here's Brock Mortensen, and he hammers this to right center. Back is Curiali. He's at the track. He's going to turn and watch it fly. A long home run for Mortensen. Makes it one nothing Gauchos. Yeah, ball's down, but it was down and away. It wasn't a, it wasn't a terrible pitch, but that was right in his wheelhouse, and uh, he got that ball up in a little bit of a breeze we have going there. 104 off the bat. 433 feet. A ball and two strikes. Lots of room to hit up the middle. And one, two. 
This is belted to right field. Back is Curiali. He's going to turn and watch it fly. A pinch hit homer for Kyle Johnson as he turns on a slider and makes it 3-2. First yes, homer of the yeah. year for KJ. Slider into his wheelhouse. Down and in. Got the barrel out. 398 feet. 102 exit velocity. But it was called ball two. And then the, the changeup is kind of his next go-to pitch against the lefties. 85 to 88. Low spin, 1,700. Cuts the vert well. He's got some plus run to it. This one is hammered deep to right field. Kyle Johnson take a trip around the bag. See ya. That ball was smoked. A 1-2-2 a two -two pitch. Out over the heart of the plate, and he did not miss it. Kyle Johnson, back-to-back -back games with home runs now. How about that? The body cuts the lead to two, 4-2 UCLA. Sprink had the sack. Bunt to advance Mortensen to third, and Cummings to second in that top of the first. One-two pitch, this one gets through. A ground ball to the right side. Schwartz was playing well off the line. Cole Cummings is going to come in, home and score easily. It's 4-3. One-oh pitch. This one is driven deep to left center. This one is going to be tracked down by Willow at the wall. He slams in and holds on. Jason Willow, what a catch. Ranging deep to left center, slamming into the Trevor Bauer Cy Young sign to the left of the 370. All right, we are back here at the Kyle's Kitchen pregame show. I'm joined by two right-handed pitchers, Corey Lewis as well as J.D. Callahan. Corey Lewis is slated to start on Sunday, and J.D. is hot off the pen this weekend, it seems, uh, after taking up that fourth starter role. So real quick, guys, uh, talk me through your mentality this weekend as we face UCLA. Corey, with you going Sunday, talk to me about what your game plan is in these next two days leading up. Uh, my game plan will probably just be the same, same deal. Just pitching, throwing strikes, getting after hitters, and finishing them with two strikes. Okay, so get to the twos. How about you? Uh, just try and get in there, throw strikes, uh, get guys out early in counts, and... Uh, and keep the pitch count down so if uh, I'm needed multiple times this weekend uh, that's possible I like that so Corey we're here right now at UCLA Jackie Robinson Stadium we're here on Friday we're back home tomorrow and then Sunday we're gonna come back here what's the first thing you noticed about the stadium when you came in well actually I've pitched here before so I've known what it's all about but it's honestly it's looked a lot nicer since the last time I came out and it's quite surprising how'd it go the first time you pitched out here uh it was for a showcase and i threw like to like six batters and i think i did pretty well so okay pretty confident gotcha so you're gonna throw to more than six batters <laughs> and still yeah, do well this yeah. weekend okay <laughs> and then uh jd i hear you work with uh ucla alumni and current professional pitcher trevor bauer's father yes. talk me through your relationship with trevor bauer obviously trevor bauer was part of that 2012 team with garrett cole there were a couple of studs 
um, those right-handed duos, it seemed like they were just throwing punches back and forth, um, trying to, you know, outplay the guy that was following or, or whatnot throughout the weekend series. How do you, what's your relationship with Trevor Bauer's dad? So I uh, work at Throw Zone Academy in uh, Santa Clarita where I grew up. Uh, my pitching coach at home was uh, Trevor's first pitching coach, like when he was eight, nine years old, and has been working with him since then. And then uh, when Trevor made it to uh, college and pro ball, then his dad took up uh, the role of all the pitching coach uh, helper assistant. So I've been working with him since I started at the Rozone since I was like 10 years old. So we've we've uh, grown a lot over the years. He's helped me out tremendously with so many things, pitch development, mechanics, everything to go along with pitching. It's a lot of fun, and then you know I I love working with you guys on the pitching side of things. I normally work kind of pitch development with you guys. We're taking some slow mo footage. Um, we're looking at grips and how how we're spinning the ball and what ways we can manipulate the ball to make the ball dance. Corey, you throw five pitches. JD, you've been working and toying with a fourth, but for the most part, you've got a solid three pitch mix. What's your favorite pitch to throw, JD? My favorite pitch to throw is my changeup. I've been working on it since. I was like 11 with Trevor's dad, and it's uh, it's really developed into a wipeout and really solid pitch. It's fun watching that one. Corey, what is your favorite pitch? My favorite pitch has got to be the knuckleball just because I love seeing the reaction of the hitter and the catcher and even the umpire sometimes. I like it because I think last week we might have seen just one knuckleball. Yeah. Maybe this weekend we'll see a couple more because everyone knows that he's got the power knuckleball. <laughs> okay, so good segue there. Um, Santa Clarita, growing up, J.D., and Corey, you're Huntington Beach, is that correct? correct. So, what's your guys' teams? Pro I, teams. Oh, I'm a diehard Dodger fan. Diehard Dodgers. Surprisingly, but I'm actually a Tampa Bay Rays fan. Tampa Bay Rays. Yeah. Okay. So, I'm glad that, you know, JD, we got the rivalry going. My Giants are looking real Ooh. good. So, Ooh. I know your Dodgers that are kind of tough. feeling it. But, hey, we're, uh, we're just starting off hot, and that's what the Giants do. How are your Rays looking this year? They're doing all right. They're actually above 500 right now. They lost a lot of key... Uh, key pitchers and players overall but they're getting it done they had a hell of a year last year and that was a lot of fun watching them especially with the was that brett phillips running circles yeah. around the outfield <laughs> yeah that was awesome okay so i understand we're, we're housemates talk me through i, I know you guys are, are jd you've got the uh the cast iron skillet oh, does yeah. that does that automatically make you the better chef Oh, yeah, 100%. Corey will literally make one, maybe two meals, and everything else is all me. Right on. What's your go-to meal? Oh, every Sunday, it's Steak Sunday. Every Sunday. S steak Sunday. Okay, so, Corey, you're looking forward to some steaks Heck yeah. after your start on Sunday. Um, last thing, some bold predictions for this weekend. JD, go. Ooh, I think I think our pitching staff is going to come out and just absolutely shove all weekend. I think we're we're really excited and built up for this i mean i'm i'm saying greevy's gonna go out throw seven shutout innings tonight i like that one Corey. and i'll go on the opposite hand and i say that our offense will explode throughout these three games against ucla here and yeah right on i like those predictions a little bit of a little bit of defense a little pitch inside a little bit of offense so that's good stuff out of you guys i uh, really appreciate the chat good luck this weekend let's take it to the bruins let's get it let's go all right, we're back here at Jackie Robinson Stadium, joined by Michael McGreevy and Mason Eng. Mason, it's your first appearance on a pregame show, broadcast, or podcast. How do you feel? It feels great, man. It means I did something great. 
<laughs> well, after your on Friday night, after your second hit, you were two for two. I told Spencer, I was like, "Hey, watch out, Mason. He's my early candidate for Player of the Week." And then he went and got another hit. How, how'd you feel with the stick on Friday? It just felt great. I don't even know how to explain it. Like after the first hit, I was just relieved to finally get a hit after a while. You know, it's been it's been a little rough lately, but man. Getting that second hit and getting the third hit to uh, top it off felt amazing. You realize that after you got your third hit, you were five for your last yeah. six against the Bruins? So, something about UCLA, man. I don't know. Can't explain <laughs> it. Do you remember anything about the game last year? Yeah. Uh, at home? Yeah, I got. I went two for three, I think, with the walk. And I think I got like two RBIs to ice the game at the end. Did you check the box score before this interview? or? Because that's no, pretty I good didn't. memory. I just remember that game specifically for some reason. <laughs> well, let's, let's bring in McGreevy. Because the real reason I want to talk to you guys is because you, you have a good rapport between pitcher and catcher, right? And that's that's required when you're trying to go out and win a baseball yeah. game. you got to I mean, be on the same page, right? I mean, yeah. I mean, I think that's a good idea to have it's a good pitcher-catcher chemistry. No, I know. And I wouldn't want to throw to <laughs> anybody else. And I think it's really good that Mason not only is my roommate, but one of the best catchers we've got on the team. Wait, you guys are roommates? Yeah, you didn't know that, kid? No, I don't think I know. I mean, no, I don't, yeah, I don't, I don't hang out with you guys outside we're roommate. the field, we've been, so. Yeah, we were housemates last year, but then once uh, Trevor Beer left to go to another house, we ended up uh, going to the master bedroom in our apartment, and now we're roommates. Okay, so who, who's the cook? That'd be Mason. I'm definitely I, Mason's cook. definitely the cook. My cooking was very below average um, <laughs> at the start of the year, though. but it is improving. improving. Not like drastically, but it's getting much, much better. Okay. And I think my parents would be very happy. Okay. You guys work together on cooking up game plans on how to attack uh, hitters? No, not really. I mean, I we don't really like to think about it too, too much yeah. because you don't want to like over prepare and like get in your head so much during like either the day before or the week before because I mean, t- trying to take it one day at a time, especially one pitch at a time. So overanalyzing things, you don't want to do too much about that. And really working the cliches. Really working the cliches there, 100%. Michael. 100%. <laughs> I was thinking Bull Durham all the way. <laughs> well, sometimes it rains. It did rain on the bus this morning coming down to UCLA. It did? Briefly. I was, I was it asleep. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I knocked out too. It did, it did rain a little bit. Well, let's let's talk about Friday's game. 12 punch outs, McGreevy. And were there any of them looking? Were there a couple of them looking? I think there were one or two. Most of it was swinging, but not not many looking. They were, UCLA definitely two strike adjusted, and I mean nine out of the ten hits I gave up were on two <laughs> strikes. So I could have had the school record this week. You could have, but you just didn't make uh, good pitches ahead in the count on those. But you know, still got twelve, which I'm happy about. So Mason, as a catcher, what are you trying to do over the course of a game to help out a guy like McGreevy, who you know has got good stuff and and is attacking hitters the right way and getting swings and misses? Like, what are you trying to do to? facilitate that a little bit more uh one thing was the the two strike approach um we wanted to bury a couple more pitches and towards the end there i just started pointing at the ground just (laughs) throw this in the dirt just to get them a little bit more uh be more mindful of trying to bury them is it is it more difficult to communicate with the pitcher now that you can't just run out to the mound whenever you want did you used to go out to the mound a lot or do you is it is it more of a visual thing, like you have certain cues that you can throw up to your pitcher to yeah, get them to know? Not particularly. Stuff. I would go out too many times, but especially like with Mike, knowing him for so long, I we Mike. Have, Mike. I don't think I've ever 
called him Mike before. I think Ooh. most everybody on the team calls me Mike. The I, coaches I call, call you, me a Gravy. I call you Gravy, Gravy, McGreevy, Michael. Jeez. It's a roommate thing. Mike is. <laughs> doesn't know we're roommates. Oh. oh, my God. You called him Mike? Oh, my goodness. Man, it's a first for everything today, Kevin. <laughs> Uh, what is this game? Uh, Forty nine or something uh, like I've that. Lost. Yeah. I've lost. Sorry about I, that. I lost count after the Santa Clara series. Sorry about that, Mike. <laughs> <laughs> I apologize. Well, twelve strikeouts. When are you counting them in your head, Mason? Do you know that he had ninety nine when he got his eleventh and was going for number one hundred? I Friday? I have no idea how many strikeouts he had. Like. <laughs> There's sometimes. <laughs> of course, I, if you were to ask me after the game, I would have said like maybe eight. I never know that he has that many strikeouts. I just lose track, I guess. Okay. So, what makes Mason a good catcher to throw to? He's really good at getting the low ball for me, and that's especially where I need to be. And he's good at kind of across his body because I. I'm more on the corners and not so much up and down. So him bringing him back that um, the ball on the outside or inside corner uh, to make it look more middle is definitely huge. And get, being able to steal those strikes with him are huge. Is it an underrated skill? I wouldn't. I don't know. Mason, is it? Is it an underrated skill? I don't think uh, many normal fans, with casual fans, would notice it as much. Uh, as much as a pitcher, at least. So subtle art. Yes. Definitely. Subtle art. Yeah, you don't want to make it too obvious. Like, then the umpire would catch it on, like, oh, you can't, don't do that anymore. Like, I'm going to keep an eye out for that. And just very subconsciously, the umpire's like, oh, it ball's middle. Yeah, there, there's a lot to be said about receiving well. I think that's something that the broadcasters like to say. Yeah, he receives the ball really well. But is that something that comes natural to you? Is there a way that you practice that, work on it? Like, Yeah, that's definitely a main thing that we work on. Um, stealing strikes is a big thing. And I think that's definitely uh, one of the more important skills of a catcher. Just taking taking strikes, taking as many strikes as you can. Okay. And you, uh, you're in the lineup today, Mason, so yep. you'll look to swing, continue to swing the bat. Michael, are you on bats and hats? Or is that I am on pitch chart. Once pitch again, chart. one of my, my favorite things to do keeps me in the game. <laughs> Don't need to run. <laughs> Don't need to run. Don't need to do anything. I was on bats and hats yesterday. Absolutely dominated it, by Good. the way. Good. Well, this is this is the first time since the Santa Clara series, the beginning of the year, where it's a rubber match. It's a, We only had one game yesterday, so it's yeah. a series is tied at one, and the winner today uh, comes away with the series, and it's a big matchup, of course, for postseason implications. UCLA, big opponent, and it's a road game, so... Uh, important game, safe Very. to say. You guys, you guys locked and locked in and ready oh, to yeah. go. Oh yeah, but I mean, just gotta have fun at the same time. Yeah. Playing a kids game, nothing better than that. That's right. And uh, Corey Lewis on the bump today for you, Mason. Um, this one thought on how to work Corey today. Catch his knuckleball. Okay, <laughs> okay, I like it. Hopefully, we haven't seen it too often. Hopefully, he's got it working today and dancing all over the place. All right, Mason Ng, Michael McGreevy, uh, thanks for stopping by. Thanks, Kev. Thanks, Kev. All right, UCSB Analytics is here. David Tillotson and Spencer Stewart. Another tough weekend for the Gauchos. After winning on Friday, 10-4 against UCLA, they dropped the two games over the weekend, 5-2 on Saturday and 11-3 on Sunday. Gauchos are sitting at 31-18 overall, still 21-11 in the Big West Conference. UC Irvine swept UC Riverside. UCSB's next opponent in four games, they sit at 25 and 7. So, with two weeks remaining in the regular season, 
Gauchos are officially four games back uh, of first place. So, I mean, it's it's a long shot with uh, Irvine having to play Bakersfield and Fullerton. Gauchos will be on the road against Riverside and then at home against Bakersfield to finish the season. It's, I mean, it's not out of the question. It's certainly a long shot. Uh, I think the Gauchos just need to to put their heads down, put these last two series behind them, uh, and win as many ball games as they can moving forward. Uh, currently, they sit at 59 in the RPI. Their win on Friday, it bumped them up about 11 points from 70 to 59. They're lingering around 57 uh, throughout the weekend. But even with the two losses, they still sit at 59 in the RPI, which is kind of in in that bubble range. So I think if, if they could finish strong, a 7-1 or an 8-0, and, uh, and finish with 38 or 39 wins, I think that's going to be fairly strong uh, as far as their resume goes. And it will be as strong as, as it can be, uh, considering what is remaining in the season. So let's see. We're going to do something a little bit different. I'm going to have David go first. He's going to do his player of the week, moment of the week, and the metrics from the hitting side. Then I'm going to go with what I've got, and then Spencer's going to go with what he's got. So, David, go for it. Let's get your player of the week to start things off. Um, For my player of the week, I'm going to give it to a hitter, uh, Mason Ang. Mason has been doing it behind the dish all year for the Gauchos, and on Friday night... Oh my guy, David. You stole my guy. I said <laughs> on Friday, after he got his second hit, I was like, watch out. Mason Ng, he's candidate for player of the week already. He's two for two. Uh, but I mean, like like I was saying, he's been doing it behind the dish, and, and finally from the batter's box. Um, we've seen him a couple of games this year have some success, and Friday night was one of those games as well. Um, three hits on Friday, ended up hitting 429 on the weekend. Uh, added an RBI. I think it was on a big two-strike hit, if I'm not mistaken, uh, for that RBI as well to help the Gauchos kind of pull away on Friday night and secure that game. Um, so I'm going to give my player of the week to Mason A. Yeah, and three runs scored as well. And he caught Michael McGreevy, who was sensational on Friday. And then he caught uh, Corey Lewis, who hung in there, uh, keeping the Gauchos in it after he was a little bit shaky the first couple innings. He threw up some zeros and kept the gouges in it on Sunday. Uh, and Mason was behind the dish for that. And you heard from him earlier. So uh, Mason had a big weekend. Okay, uh, your moment of the week. Man, again, I'm, I think I'm going to stick on Friday night. Um, you, you caught the photo of it, which was almost equally as impressive. But Jason Willow uh, getting that ball in left center and rifling it into second base. Um with McLean there to catch it and, and finish it off with the tag, um, stealing away from that double. Uh, that was a huge play. Uh, again, with momentum, and just kind of like maintaining momentum and helping the Gauchos win that game. I'm going to go with Willow's play there. Um, I don't want to steal too, but he had another pretty stellar play, um, kind of banging into the wall on Sunday out in left center as well. So holding it down in center field. Yeah, huge play uh, in that game, especially – I mean, UCLA, they, they were hitting the ball on Friday. They had 15 hits. Uh, Gauchos were the ones that were executing for runs. And it was still the middle of the game. You know, anything can happen in the middle of the game in college baseball. And, and that was a big play because you felt like UCLA kept knocking on the door, kept knocking on the door, but McGreevy was coming with the strikeouts. And Willow to O'Connor, the Louie to Louie connection at second base was huge. Um, 
Gosh, is it four homers over the weekend? They did hit lots of balls hard. Uh, what were some of the numbers for those? Uh, I don't have uh, Sunday's metrics yet. So there's one home run um, from Kyle Johnson that isn't listed on here yet. Um, but the hardest hit ball on the weekend from at least Friday and Saturday was Jason Willow's 105 in the ninth inning. Uh, we'll call it 400 feet. I'll give him 400 feet. It's 399 yeah. on track, man. Yeah, uh, some, de- <laughs> some debate as to where it landed. Some might say it landed in the trees. Others say it hit off the fence that was kind of out beyond the construction fence that was up, but it definitely went a long ways and doing it at night and with the lights and everything kind of added to like the uh, the cinematic effects of that home run. Um, Brock Mortensen with a 104, we'll call it. uh, He ended up hitting that ball. Let's see, where's the distance here? 433 feet. Um, That was at home on Saturday uh, and that ball was crushed out into right center. Um, and then KJ, uh, he had a home run as well, 101 miles an hour off the bat, and it ended up going uh, 398 feet as well. So and if we're going to give Willow one, we'll give KJ two and call them both 400 foot bombs, you know, uh, and then added in there, sprinkled in there um, was Cole Cummings double as well. That was the third hardest hit ball on the weekend. It was a 102 as well. So um, definitely some loud contact from the Gauchos, um, but uh, you know, just not quite enough um, to be able to pull out two or three ones this weekend. Yeah, UCLA was tough, and Couches, they they jumped ahead in each game. They scored first in each game. It, it turned out well for them on Friday, but just bats couldn't come alive, and it was the beginnings uh, that did them in in the end on Saturday and Sunday. Okay, my I'm going to take two players because I am the host and I can take two and I have a hunch on who Spencer's going to take. So I'll leave him for Spencer, but I'm going to go offensive. I'm going to take Zach Rodriguez. He was five for 12 in the series with five runs batted in. He had four runs batted in on Friday and it's good to see him making adjustments. Again, Zach's just a true freshman and he got off to that big start and then team started to figure out how to pitch him a little bit. And he struggled for a couple of weeks, and he's starting to bounce back, have multiple hit games, and and drive in runs like we've seen him do all season long. He had the big hit in the first inning, which got the Gauchos the lead on Sunday. So Z-Rod, uh, big weekend for him. And Kyle Johnson, I mean, he gets off the schneid, hits his first dinger of the year on Saturday afternoon. It was in a, a fairly big spot because UCLA had scored two runs to take the lead in the top of the seventh inning. And he comes in and pinch hits with two outs and nobody on against Townsend and takes a two-strike slider uh, over the tree in right field. And it was a, a linea, a laser beam. And then yesterday, it was 4-1. It was still early in the game. You felt like UCLA all had all the momentum, and KJ steps up, leadoff bomb in the fourth inning. And you feel like the Gouchers had some momentum. They scored the next inning and had chances to tie the game. And I think it was... Uh, Kyle that got that thing rolling um, after UCLA had claimed the lead. So those are my two guys, Zach Rodriguez and Kyle Johnson. Uh, for my moment of the week, it it was a strikeout that we forgot to mention on the broadcast because we were a little distracted, but the Gauchos did surpass the 507 strikeout mark as a team. So the pitching staff striking out 507 guys which was the record 
set in 2019 by that great staff uh, school record. And so with the 33 strikeouts that the Gauchos amassed this weekend, they surpassed that mark and currently sit at 510. So they're going to set, um, continue to set a new school record and we'll see how high that they can get uh, this year. So uh, pitching staff, new school record, currently sitting at 510 strikeouts, passing 2019's total. So that's, uh, that is exciting because Gauchos have some good strikeout guys on this staff. Um, let's see. Bieber struggled this weekend. First time we've really seen him struggle uh, as far as the MLB report goes. He went only four and two-thirds against the Mariners on Sunday afternoon and took the loss. So he's, he's uh, yeah, David's, David's Seattle Mariners. <laughs> Hurting Bieber. He just he threw a lot of pitches. He got touched up in the first inning, um, and he wound up losing that game 4-3. Let's see. When does Shane pitch next? So if he pitched on Sunday, he's probably going to pitch Friday based on the five days of rest. Let me just check here real quick. Saturday? Saturday against Minnesota at home. So that's Bieber's next start. Gouches will be in Riverside for that game. Uh, but check out Bieber on Saturday at 1 o'clock Pacific time against the Twins. It was good to see Tony Ortiz back in town this weekend. He made it out on Saturday. Um, great to hear from him again and um, just all, all that he's been doing. So it was good to see Tony this weekend and just looking forward to kind of taking everything one game at a time moving forward. We, like you said at the beginning here, we've got our work cut out for us. We'll see what the kind of chips play out at the end of the season and see if we can't get 38, 39, or 40 wins. Yes, Antonio, if you're a follower of the podcast, you've heard him a couple times with Evan Short. And, yeah, it was uh, his first time back at the yard since leaving uh, the program oh, two years ago, a year and a half ago, something like that. So he's uh, he's working with the Yankees. He's he's working remotely right now, but he will be back in New York. Sounds like in uh, in a month or so, maybe two months, something like that. So I'm glad to see him doing well, and glad to see fans in the stands, uh, of course, uh, in, in at UCLA and at UCSB, uh, trying to get spread the love and get tickets for individual games for as many friends and and family as possible, uh, rotating the tickets that we get. So. Uh, that stuff is good. All right, Spencer, who is your player of the week? My player of the week is going to be Michael McGreevy, the Friday guy. In uh, in six and a third, he had a one point four two ERA. Um, it was it was not the easiest outing for McGreevy. Um, you know, I'm sure he would have liked to gone deeper. I talked to JD before Friday's game, JD Callahan, and he said that his bold prediction for the game was McGreevy going seven shutout innings. And uh, well, McGreevy started that seventh inning. He had given up one run, but uh, he struck out 12. And it was a solid, solid Friday performance. Um, you know, it was fun playing under the lights at Jackie Robinson Stadium, a new experience for a lot of those guys. And uh Michael McGreevy shine under those lights. So uh, good outing from him. And it was a solid start to the weekend um, with a quality start from McGreevy. Yeah. The 12 strikeouts 
I mean, it was a huge counter to the 10 hits that he gave up. He also induced a, a double play ball. But you look up at the scoreboard in that seventh inning, 10 hits, and UCLA only had one run, and that's credit to McGreevy able to get to two strikes and execute with two strikes to the tune of, of 12 punch outs um, and really, really reduced the damage. I mean, he reduced it as best that he could because he had to deal with a lot of base runners in that game, and it was the strikeouts that ultimately made the difference. So uh, it was big time. Yeah, I didn't think that they were ever going to run on the – well, I mean, McGreevy, he's quick to the plate, and he works well with runners on. Um, he's very comfortable out of the slide. And when you got Mason Ang behind you, uh, you know, he's going to toss every guy that he gets a chance to. Um, so I thought that uh, just the two of them together were able to quiet the running game, but the defense, they played well behind him. And um, with the lead that he had, you know, get, getting seven, seven runs – through the first four innings, those last couple of innings, he all he had to do was throw strikes. Um, so I think the the offense helped him out, but uh, you know it was fun seeing him get to the twelve strikeout mark, which I guess it leads me to my moment of the week, which is McGreevy getting his hundredth strikeout of the season. That twelve strikeout that he got was number hundred on the season. Um, I think that McGreevy said he knew about it mason said he didn't know about it um and that's not surprising at all um because you know mcgree he takes a lot of pride in his execution up out on the mound and the 100 strikeouts this season um you know it it definitely highlights the hard work that he's put in and the uh the ability to go out and execute week after week yeah 100 strikeouts just eight walks that's good for a 12.5 strikeout to walk ratio he came into the week second, tied for second in the nation in strikeout to walk ratio. So that probably has been bumped up a little bit uh, from 11 to 12.5. And he leads the Big West Conference in strikeouts. And number two is Rodney Boone with 92. So Gouch is getting it done uh, with the punch out this year from the pitching staff. Do you have some pitching metrics for us? Yeah, why don't we talk about uh, we'll talk about the man of the hour, the man of the weekend, Mike McGreevy. Sixty-five um, percent strike percentage. He had a thirty-eight point six percent called strike and whiff percent. Um, I think that uh, the best part about the outing was late in the game. He was getting a lot of swings and misses on the fastball. Um, I think at one point he got three swings and misses and one at bat to. I think it was John John Vaughn's late in the game. Um, so he was able to to keep the velo right around 92 the entire game. He got up as high as, well, just a tick under 94, the 93.9. I'm sure he wanted that 94 mark. But uh, I mean, he said he felt great, and maybe it wasn't the highest velos that he had all weekend or all series, uh, all, all season, I should say. But – um, 92 mile an hour average velocity on the fastball. And he induced 14 swings and misses and had 17 called strikes, which was good for a 44.29% called strike plus whiff percent for the fastball alone. Um, so it was, uh, you know, fastball dominant. He threw 70 of them, 47 strikes, but, uh, and he was mixing everything. He had 15 curveballs. And uh, he relied on his slider as well with just under 30 of those. And yeah, did he sneak in any change-ups? Because that's been 
<laughs> the fourth pitch that he's tacked on that's that's been pretty effective. Uh, he doesn't throw it much, but you know if, if you got four pitches pitching like McGreevy does, I mean that's gonna make you a top top prospect. Absolutely, the changeup for him. I'm sure he would have liked some better results, but um, he threw five of them. Two of them were for strikes. Um, both of those called strikes. I think that he got a couple foul balls on it. Um, but other than that, they were, uh, they were just a tad bit under the zone. And, you know, for McGreevy, it, uh, when you're throwing 70 fastballs, it's easier for some guys to maybe, you know, try and sit on the fastball. Uh, and it's not the easiest one to hit, but it's a healthy one. But when you're mixing the speeds with the changeup, it just completely changes the batter's approach up there. And um, he started off Schwartz with it and then was able to get the strikeout later in that at bat. And I think it was solely because the first pitch he saw wasn't, you know, the fastball or the slider that the hitters were probably sitting on throughout the outing. So um, really it was just the fact that he was able to execute those kind of pitches, uh, the change up low, the, the fastballs away to kind of bait some guys. Um, and uh, he felt in control up there and he had great command throughout the outing. Okay, Michael McGreevy so far this year, 2.84 ERA and 13 starts, a 7-1 and record. He had the complete game shutout against Hawaii, which was just absolutely brilliant. That was uh, one of the, the more fun pitching outings that I have seen uh, against the Rainbow Warriors. 82 and a third innings pitched, which is tops in the conference, tied with Bybee at Fullerton. He's allowed just 26 earned runs and, again, walked eight and struck out 100, good for a 12.5 strikeout to walk ratio for Mr. McGreevy. In his career, McGreevy, he's thrown in 46 games. Again, the, the, just four appearances last year in the shortened season, 17 starts, 14-2 and two record with six saves, 170 innings, 179 strikeouts, career ERA of 2.22. He's been one of the best uh, in a gaucho uniform. So, we got at least two more starts for Michael McGreevy this year, pitching on Fridays against Riverside and Bakersfield, the series, final two series of the year. Uh, looking forward to those and hoping that the Gauchos finish strong uh, behind the gravy man. So, uh, David and Spencer, thank you for your thoughts and your contributions and your hard work, as always. And uh, we'll see you at the yard. Thanks, Kev. Thanks, Kev. All right, that episode was brought to you by our great friends at Kyle's Kitchen, providing great food for the Gauchos all season long, and our friends at A Guy With A Truck Junk Removal. Call 805-689-1413 to get a free no-obligations quote. Uh, thanks to Mason Ng, Michael McGreevy, J.D. Callahan, Corey Lewis, uh, David Tillotson, and Spencer Stewart for all the content that we're able to collect for this week. Some more positive things this week and just trying to bear down, get back on track, and finish the season strong. That's the focus. Finish the season strong. So uh, thank you so much for listening to the Gaucho 9 podcast. Uh, my name is Kevin Cannon. Thank you so much for listening uh, to every episode. If you've listened to every episode, this is episode 50. Just want to leave that there. 50 episodes. And we got two weeks remaining in the regular season. So let's get after it. Gauchos, all right? Uh, we'll talk to you on Friday from UC Riverside. <laughs>